whole movement. Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we're going to be learning Daft Tzadi Ches and Masachas Yavamos. And we started a new parak, Nosin Al Hanusa, the 11th parak of Yavamos, chapter 11, if it, as it were. And let us discuss the following idea. Lineage. Oh, where should we start? Let's do three lines down from the top of Tzadi Ches Amar Aleph. Amar Rava. You see it, the last two words there? What's Ein Av Lemitzri? As follows, the idea of a convert, okay? We're talking in Yavamus about relationships, Andrew. So what happens with a convert? So famously, as we know, let's say you have an entire family of mom, dad, and three kids, whatever. They all convert into Judaism. They, halakhically, are not considered to be related to each other. This has implications for all, for all aspects of Yibum and marriage out of that, as we will see. That, that's what our Mishnah points out. Okay, so for example, let's say you had mom and dad and three brothers. They're all, right, in, uh, and, and so then they all convert uh, together, right? Once they're in this world, they're all converting, right? And then one of the brothers later on in life dies childless. The other brother would, uh, would not be performing Yibum for him, right? The, the other brother would not be performing Yibum for him because halakhically, they all became new entities without lineage when they converted. That is, uh, right, a ger shenitzgayer, kakatan shenola dummy. Right, he's not considered to have had, they're not considered to have, um, to be related halachically, and you need to be related halachically, right, to your brother, Kieshu Achim Yachdav, in order to perform the mitzvah of Yibum. So that's a relatively easy case where they all converted. What if mom and dad converted, and then after they converted, they, uh, had a family, a Jewish family, so now those brothers do fulfill because the parents are both Jewish at the time, right, that they were conceived and then born. But what if, let's say, you had a mom and a dad and one son, and then they convert, and during the conversion, mom is pregnant. Mom is pregnant. So, and then they convert. Now mom is Jewish, and then she has a baby. So the Chiddush of our Mishnah, as we started the parak, was that with respect to the mom, okay, they are related. They are related through the mom because for the mom, it goes by the birth. And when said second brother was born, right, that mother was Jewish and therefore he's, he's certainly born as a Jewish child, right, because he was born to a Jewish mother. And so with respect to the mother, he's also related but through his mother to his, to his other brother, his older brother. Uh, although his older brother, right, converted after he was born. But with respect to the mother, he's considered, he's considered Jewish. But with respect to the father, it goes by the time that he was conceived. That's the Chiddush. The Chiddush is with respect. So if there would be another brother born afterwards, so that would be a case. Let's say you have mom and dad convert, and then mom is pregnant. Okay, mom and dad convert. And during the conversion, they have no children yet, and mom is pregnant, and a child is born after the conversion. So that child would be considered uh, Jewish, 
right? Because the mother was Jewish. However, if they have another son after that, okay? So if they have another son after that, so then those two are considered brothers, but they're only considered brothers with respect to through the mother. They're not considered brothers through the father, says the Mishnah, because the first brother, the older brother, was conceived while his father was not yet converted. That is the fascinating Kiddush. That with respect to the father, it would depend on when he was conceived. And if he was conceived before the conversion, so then he's not, he's a katan shenola dummy with no relation back to his father, to his natural father. And that becomes important for Yibum, right? These two brothers, right, were never not Jewish, technically, right, halachically. However, the older brother that was conceived by his father before, with his, before he converted, right, before the mother converted, uh, even though he was born Jewish to a Jewish mother by the time that he was born, he was conceived by a non-Jewish father, and the oldest brother is not considered halachically related through the father to his younger brother for the purposes of Yibam, such that if one of them would die childless, they would not be Mayabim the other. And don't forget, in the absence of being able to do Yibam, there's an Isser of Ach, Eshes Achav. And you cannot do Yibam. Not only do you not do Yibam, but you can't do Yibam. All right, so let, let's get started. Three lines down. So now we're going to basically break it down and say, what is the mechanism? How does this work? So that's what it means. It doesn't mean Dafka in Egyptian. It means that when you have a non-Jewish father, you're not considered halachically your, your father. Don't say, oh, the reason is because we don't know who the father is because they are, uh, right? They're degenerates and filled with immorality and therefore you never know who the dad is. And so therefore it's not a suffix of paternal lineage. No. You wouldn't say, oh, the only reason we don't know, we don't consider this dad your dad is because he may not be your dad, even if you knew. And, and therefore the consequence would be, let's say you did a DNA test and then you'd consider your dad. So then he would halachically be considered your father. That's not the case. Why? Even if you knew for sure with a paternal DNA test that this was your father, you still wouldn't consider him halachically your father. How do we know? Right? <laughs> because we have the test case of, let's say, you have two brothers who are twins. So by twins, it doesn't matter. Irrespective of who the father is, it's, they have the same father. That's biologically necessary, right, Barry? In other words, if they're twins, obviously they both have the same father. So you would assume, okay, well, if the issue is uh, who the father is and we don't know, so then certainly these two twins at the very least would be related to each other, the answer is no. Tani Seifa, right, the Brysa that we quoted after the Mishnah, points out, Lo Cholzin Yabmin, right? Lo Cholzin Yabmin is what we were talking about, the case that we discussed in our introductory remarks over here. So that's, that would be, right, another fascinating idea. In other words, right, couple is, is with child, right? The, the wife's pregnant. They never had kids before, let's say. Now they're having kids for the first time, and they decide to convert into Judaism. And sure enough, after the conversion, the mother, the pregnant mother, has twins. So they're twin boys. They're born, right, Jewish. However, they're not considered related to each other through the father, right, even though we have no doubt that they both have the same father. So clearly they're related to each other through the father biologically, but not halachically. And therefore, you do not, in the event that one of them later on in life were to die childless. 
What this means is that a just a fundamental principle that's not um, right, not dubious lineage, but rather their the Torah considered their their right their paternity, their zera, right to be hefker, right to be not legally right, not legally relevant, significant. Right. This is. This is the famous Batsuk in Yechatzkel, which means that with respect to the halachic significance of paternal, it's their zera, as it were, is like one of donkeys and horses, which is to say that the issue, right, that the issue of, of these, right, that which um, is the zera of this non-Jewish man, right, which is determined at conception, unlike a woman's who's determined at birth, is, right, legally, is not legally significant. Okay. So now the Gemara returns to what we had here, which is a machlokes in this matter with respect to Rav Acha and Rav Sheshis. What did Rav Acha and Rav Sheshis say? You might recall from yesterday's daf that Rav Acha, this had to do with Meshuchrarim. Our Mishnah mentions the concept of a slave that's Meshuchrar. Well, that would be the same thing, right? You're talking about an Evid Kanani. When they, when they become freed, so then they become new people, they, they are not considered related to each other. Right, and they do become Jewish, so they're in effect gerim, anyways. Right, so this is the concept of gerim. However, Ravacha allowed Meshuchurim to marry, right, uh, a widow, meaning they had no kesher. That was even though they were related biologically, we'll say, right. The um, ancestry.com showed that they were related, but they had no halachic kesher, right, and they could marry. That was Rav Acha's position. Therefore, according to Rav Acha, it was like our mission that there's no Kesher, uh, like, like the case of the Misgayer. However, Rav Sheshes says there is a relationship by the Meshachurim, and he made it Aser. So let's look into this. So it says, Tashma, Damar Biyosi, this was a halachic case that came down. Maisa b'niftayim hager. Okay, his name was Niftayim. Okay. Shenasa eishis achiv me'imo. And he married the wife of his maternal brother, okay, so he married the wife of his maternal brother, and they came to the Chachamim, in other words, they agreed with Rav Acha that, again, normally you can't marry your maternal brother's wife. That is one, that is one of the Arias. However, because they're not really halachically related, like Rav Acha said, the marriage was permitted. But we're not sure exactly when was this conversion. We want to see, does this brysa, right, um, fall out either like Rav Acha or like Rav Shesha. So the Gemara said, Vela ger de Kaddish achinami de lo Right, that if a ger marries a woman, don't, wouldn't you say that the condition takes place? In other words, the answer that the Chachamim said was, ein ishus lager. There's no such thing as an ishus lager. Well, that is a too much of a sweeping statement. What do you mean, ain't ishus lager? Uh, are you trying to say that a con- the converts can't get married? Married? That's what the Gemara says. Ger the kaddish hachinami the tafsi bakidushin. That of course that's not the case. In other words, ain't ishus lager makes it sound like categorically gerim cannot marry. Of course they can. Of course, if a ger right somebody simply converts and then gets married as a Jewish convert. That marriage is tofus. So, what does this statement mean when it says "ain ishus lager"? Well, the statement meant That's what it means. It's a, it's a reference to our machlokas over here in our Mishnah and machlokas in the Brisa between Rabbi Acha and Rav Sheshes. 
when you say Eini Ishes Lager, what you mean is that no, that there's no Iser of an Ashes Ach. Whereas normally there's an Iser of an Ashes Ach, right, to regular, to, to a standard Jewish family that's been Jewish for generations. You cannot marry your brother's wife, right, typically, other, outside of the context of Yibum, right? But for a convert, that's not the case. In the event that your brother, right, is not of the same lineage as you. Well, the question is, when was the conversion here? So that's what the Gemara wants to ask. My love, the Naspa Achshu Ger. Wait a minute. Niftaim, right? When, when did Niftaim and his brother convert? So would you say that Niftaim's brother married her when he was already a Ger? So that, my love, the Naspa Achshu Ger. In other words, it would make sense that did Niftaim's brother marry her right after they already were Jewish? Well, if that's the case, then that would be, sound like Ravacha Bar Yaakov, right? Ravacha. But the marriage is, per, is permitted, right, because of the fact that they are not considered, the Geirim are not considered to, ha, to have a lineage going back, and therefore the two brothers are not considered halachically related, and that's why he's allowed to marry the Eshazach of the Geir. So the Gemara says, no, that price is not necessarily proof one way or the other. Ravacha versus Rishay says, because the Nasbukshu Ovid Kachavim, well, the case could be that the marriage <laughs> was when they were yet, not yet Jewish, not be, prior to the conversion. Well, if the marriage preceded the conversion, so then obviously they converted afterwards. Everybody's considered brand spanking new, and therefore it certainly would not be a problem of Eshazah. So the Gemara, however, says, Well, if the marriage preceded the conversion and, and was done when they were Ovde Kachavim, so then, what's the Chiddush of the Brisa? Obviously, we know that Ger Shanolot Dami. It would be obvious, too obvious to mention, and the halacha would not even be a Chiddush, and there would be no reason to learn that halacha. The real Chiddush is when they actually convert first and then get married, right? If you convert and everybody's now Jewish, and then you get married, does that establish an Isravesh That's the case where we have the Machlokas. The case where the wedding and all the previous life prior to the conversion took place, right, prior to the conversion. So then, of course, they're all renewed and you can marry her and she wouldn't be considered an Eishasach afterwards. So the Gemara says, still a why? Right? That we don't make a gezerah. In other words, we might have thought that, that if we were to look at this Brysa from the perspective of, of, of Rav Sheshes, so then we'd say, wait a minute. Once they convert, then if they have the marriage after the conversion, they certainly are related, okay? And therefore, the reason why the Brisa has to teach us, right, that they wouldn't be related is because you might think that there would be a gazera, right, that you could never get marry a relative because there may be confusion, right? Because we may not realize that there is a fundamental difference between whether the marriage took place before or after the conversion. Let's take all of the confusion out of it and just say, you know what? Don't marry your brother's sister. You know, even though halachically certainly it would be true, and we'll see there will be cases where we're machmer. Even though halachically it would be true that if all the marriages took place prior to the conversion, you're not even considered related. And therefore Aishas Ach would would not have an Isser, even though halachically Mi'ikar Adin, Midaraisa, that would be true. The Rabbanan would want to make a Gezeira don't marry her because then there'll be confusion. We let you do it. If we let you marry an Aishas Ach, even if the conversion was, uh, if we let you marry an Aishas Ach when the 
right, conversion was after the wedding, you might be confused and marry uh, the Ashes Ach when the conversion was before the wedding, and that, according to Rosh Hashanah, would be what was Asr. So if you understand that, that's good, because we're going to go through this Shach Levitari about another two, three times of uh, giving cases that sound like Acha, that they're not related even after, right, the, even if the marriage took place after the conversion, and then we say, ah, doesn't this look like Acha? And we say, no, maybe this is a case where the conversion took place after the wedding, as follows. Says the Gemara, Tashma, another proof from a different b'risa. The Amar ben Yasin. Ben Yasin said the following, Shalachti when I went to Venice, or some other, right, maritime cities, Matsati ger echad me'imo. I found a ger that married, right, the Ashes ach from his maternal brother. And Amarti lo b'ni, mi'er shecha, who let you marry this woman, my son? Look, here's the woman. She converted with seven sons. Okay? Guess what they all did? They all converted. And not only did they, they convert, they did a seven-way wife swap, just as I did. Okay. <laughs> they figured, well, when we weren't, you know, converted yet, so these wives were... Fit, befitting to us, right? These were these were the right wives for us then. Now that we're all converted, eh, it's still a good family, but every wife belongs to a different one of our brothers. So let's just all switch and do some musical wife chairs over here and have seven new weddings with seven, which seven same seven grooms and seven brides, just mix them all together. That's quite a family, Barry. That is quite a family, okay? And so what was the psak? The rabbis look at this and they're like, oh my goodness. And none other than Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva, none other than Rabbi Kiva sat on this very bench, the Amar Shnei and he had two things to say about this family. Number one, First of all, he said, it's okay that a ger can in fact marry his maternal brother. Right, the, the maternal brother. So it right. So somehow it must have been the case that this was what the Aishas Achiv Meimo, the aforementioned case, right, where the mother, uh, perhaps of these seven grooms or whatever, right, was pregnant, right, uh, with all of them somehow during the conversion, because they're considered Aishas Achiv Meimo. Okay. Uh, so 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 because so Ger Nose Aishas Achiv Meimo. Right, his maternal brother's uh, wives. He allowed the seven sons to marry. He was the rabbi who presided. He was the Masadic Kedushin. Okay. Now, the second thing that, that Rabbi Kiva said was not necessarily related, but the Archaner puts it together. What was the second thing? So see, the famous Rabbi Kiva sat on this very bench. He came to visit town, paskind on the seven. He said they, in fact, could mar- do the wife swap post-conversion. The second thing he said had to do with the Yonah story. The Pasuk says, Hashem spoke to Yonah a second time. When was the second time? This is Yonah post-whale. Oh, wow. Yonah. But your name is, is uh, close, enough. close enough. It's Yoni, but it's not really Yonah. So, the fa- so, so, so Dr. Yoni Baron is here. So, so Yonah post-whale was a different Yonah, right? He, he, he's the reluctant Navi. He tells Ninveh that they have to do tshuva. And he doesn't want to do it. So the whole famous story, the boat 
gets thrown overboard, the big storm, gets in the whale's belly, gets spit out of the whale's belly, gets saved. Hashem says, okay, let's try that again. <laughs> okay, so this is the second time now. So the second time, says Rabbi Akiva, Shainis Dibra'i Moshchina. Shlishis Lo Dibra'i Moshchina. That this second time, it says, Ve'idvar Hashem al So Hashem spoke to him again. After that second time, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not speak to Yonah anymore. This is, was like a, a Musr moment, right? Because after all, right, uh, this is not something that you're supposed to be. You're not supposed to be so reluctant. When Hashem tells you to do something, you got to do it. The Nevi'im didn't really have a lot of choice. The Nevi'im didn't really mostly want to be Nevi'im. It was really one of the most thankless jobs in the history of mankind. Everybody hates your guts because nobody likes the truth. Barry, nobody likes to be called out. And the Nevi'im were like sent by Hashem to call out the nation. They did not like that. Just like today, nobody likes a rabbi who gets in your face and tells you about your Averos. That's very, uh, uh, it's usually not the most popular type of rabbi. So the Navi was truth. Truth is harsh, Barry. So a lot of people don't like it. And therefore, Yonah did not want this role. He, he liked to be liked and, and, and so forth. Anyways, it was, a, it was a really difficult mission. But once he got through the whole whale situation, he realized that he didn't have much choice. Now, we'll see the Tosos, actually. Ninveh, we'll, we'll see Tosos soon. Uh, be that as it may, those are two things that Rabbi Akiva said. So the first thing is that he allowed these, these, uh, these brothers, to, from, from these maternal brothers, to remarry all their converted, right, these converted brothers to marry all their converted wives and to do the wife swap. And the second thing was this Yona thing. Spoke to him the second time, not a third time. So this has a Gemara. Let's talk about the first thing that Rabbi Kiva taught us. That a ger no se eishas achiv me'imo. Right? Converts can marry their maternal brother's wives. My love did not Does it not mean that the case is that what? That his brother, that they were already uh, married after to the conversion? Which is to say, proving again, Ravacha ben Yaakov, that you can marry after such a conversion? Says the Gemara, lo. The nasbuk shu ovid kachavim. No, again, the case was that the actual marriages were when they were of kachavim, and therefore it should not be as big of a chiddush because actually after they all converted, everything was dissolved, right? Wouldn't you say that that would be the case, Barry? Don't forget. <laughs> you have two people who have a civil marriage and they live together as husband and wife, non-Jewish, and then they convert. They have to get, they have to get married, right? They're like new entities, you don't say that their civil marriage counts as their Kiddushin, Kedas Moshe Yisrael, right? They have to get remarried. They're not considered related. So that was the case here, right? They were, their, their marriage was only a civil marriage when they were Ovdei Kachavim. And so now, when they all converted, they weren't considered halachically married at all. So now, when they married, they just decided to marry someone else. Well, what's wrong with that? They're not even related. So says the Gemara, well, for that... We don't need Rabbi Akiva. What's the Chiddush? And similarly, like we said before, right, the same back and forth, that, that in fact, it still would have made sense. The way I just described it, everybody knows that these people all had a civil marriage, so maybe it wouldn't be a good idea for them to do a wife swap, even though halachically it's not a problem. Maybe we should do a gezerah, kamash malan, we don't, that we don't do such a gezerah, that Rabbi Akiva actually allowed it. So it's a chiddush, in a, even though halachically meikar dimin daraisa may not be a chiddush, it sounds like it's a chiddush that we don't do a gezeira, okay? Uh, just like we said before, fine. 
Be that as it may, ask the Gemara, Umi Mehemon, a fascinating side point, which is, who, who is, are they believed? Are they, is, who's believed? Well, Ben Yasin came, right? And he himself said that he found the Ger Echad Shanasa Eishas Achim Ima. So that is a fascinating idea. Do you remember this from Ein Zayin? The fascinating idea that we said is following. A topic comes up in the base Medrash. And one of the Talmidim comes up and he says, oh, you know, I have a halachic minhag uh, that's relevant to this. This is what happened with Ben Yasin. Ben Yasin said, this is what I heard. Well, the fact of the matter is, if he had just said it for the sake of academics, right? We say this is academic. Like he said it and he had no agenda, right? There was no halachic uh, issue that had to be decided. So then we believe him because then it's sincere and obviously it's said with no agenda. However, right, that's, that's called koidim maise and therefore we believe him. However, ve'im lav, which is to say, <laughs> he only remembered this Misa once the halacha came before him. Well, now he might be remembering this Misa because he wants to remember what the halacha is and he's tainted by an agenda, right? That's, kind of, that's the implication. That if you're saying it as a, right, if you're saying it uh, in order to answer a question that's pressing in front of you, so you, you at that point, ain't shomim lo, you know, you can't trust yourself, right? Somebody, somebody comes over to you and he says, whatever, can we open cans on Shabbos? So if, you know, you have, let's say, the minog every Friday night at the Shabbos table, I'll say, Hilchah Shabbos. And I say, this rabbi says this, this rabbi says that, and blah, blah, blah. So, so then, now it's academic, so then you have no agenda. So, so, so you know, whatever the Rav says, uh, and you say, and my rabbi said this, and therefore that's what the family can do. But if you only say, oh, my rabbi could, could say this, when, when you're your uh, family member or guest literally has his finger on the can and he's asking the shy, he says, well, my Rebbe said it's okay. I don't know. Your credibility sounds a little bit shady because you're just saying that because you want me to be able to open the can and that kind of thing. So this sounded like the latter, right? This sounded like Ben Yasin was saying the case of Rabbi Kiva already when there was a halachic matter at hand and therefore his credibility is somewhat um, suspect over here because of the fact that he seems to be responding. And when you're responding, you can't be trusted um, as much for your halachic credibility, okay? So the question is, why would we listen to him? So the Gemara offers several possibilities. So first of all, Ibais Ema Morivahaya. Well, first of all, it could be that that's not the case, that Ben Yasin actually was just telling the story, uh, right? And he was just saying it as a matter of academics. And then, that afterwards, there was... There was a, there, right? In other words, this story of Rabbi Kiva they were, was well known in the base matters. They were already talking about it. And then afterwards, the halacha came up, but they had already, you know, rehashed that story, and therefore their credibility is intact. That's one possibility as to why we take this, uh, the story of Ben Yasan seriously. Another possibility, don't forget, anytime you have a Maisa Shahaya, where there was already a halachic precedent, a case study, if you will, for the, your uh, lawyers out there. So then that already is, corroborates that that was the halacha. So once you have the Maisa Shahaya and everybody famously knows of the story, so then that is uh, credible. The Ibais Ema, shiny hacha, the kamar Maisa Achrina Bahada. Because after all, <laughs> it's true that normally 
you would say, well, maybe the story was even told after, uh, after the, the halacha question came up. But the story was not only told the story of Rabbi Kiva allowing the marriage of the seven brothers, uh, maternal brothers, but he also threw in the story of Rabbi Kiva for good measure with Yonah. Oh, so that, you can't, you can't make that stuff up, Barry, right? Like, you, it, it sounds like less of a lie if all of a sudden, like, who, who would come up with this other drusha of Yonah? So once you throw in this extra piece of information, so it adds credibility, right? Because you'd have to be a real genius to make that stuff up. So it makes it more real when you say, oh, and by the way, Rabbi Kiva said another thing also. So once you say that, he said another thing. Is there a connection? So that's what, that's what the Orach Laner says, the article quotes over here. The connection between Yonah and the Ger might be obvious to you. Once they did shuva, they were considered like brand new people. Uh, and Yonah himself, right? Once he, right, what was this, what was, why do we read Yonah and Mincha of Yom Kippur? Because of this whole idea of tshuva, right? When you do the tshuva, is almost like a gerus, what, what the uh, people of Nineveh went through. And so therefore, that, Orach says, is the connection between the two stories. Be that as it may, let's dig in to the story of Yonah a little bit more, and that comes up in the Brisa. Amar Mar. What did Rabbi Kiva say? The second thing that Yakiva said when he sat on the bench was that Hashem spoke to Yonah a second time. Spoke to him a second time, but not a third. Kamar asks, wait a minute, Vaksiv, who hey shiv eskvul, Israel milvo, Hamas ad yamha, rub kidvar Hashem, Ashadiber biad avda yona, ben amita yonavi. Right? This is not a uh, quote from Yonah. This is from Malachim Beis, but it refers to, right, the, that Yeravam ben Yoash, right, who, who restored, right, uh, the boundaries of it, of, 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 um, right, of Israel. Right, like the word which Hashem had spoken to Yonah ben Amitai clearly after the whole Nineveh incident. And therefore we see that it was not the last time this post-whale, pre-Nineveh discussion, so to speak, that Hashem had with Yonah was not the last time he spoke with Yonah. We have a proof right here from Lachem Beis that there was a subsequent time that they spoke. So what is it that Rabbi Kiva is saying when he says that they only spoke to him a second time? So, Amar Ravina al iske ninve kamar. Now, that it's true that they didn't speak again, but what Rikiva means is, and what the Pasuk means is, that he spoke to him not about ninve. In other words, when Hashem spoke to Yonah about ninve, that was the last time he spoke to him about ninve, but about other matters, he did speak to him a second time. So, therefore, when the Pasuk of Malachim Bey says that Right, that Hashem spoke to Yonah, it meant with respect to the boundaries that Hashem told Yonah, but it had nothing to do with Ninveh. Um, Tosfos here is fascinating. The top Tosfos on Tzadik Chesamadal talks about Iske Ninveh. It's a tema. The Ma'ayit Shuch Lemichtav Sheni Shvlo Shlishis Loash Chan Shadibar Shlishis V'Shema Kevin Shematzinu Shechazu Lekiel Kulam Nisnabeleim. By the way, this is uh, just to summarize Tosfos. There's a lot. There's a lot here that that goes on because after all, huh? We have um, clearly uh, cases where Yonah did right. Look at the the, the wide line. That last lesson 
Don't you remember from Yom Kippur when we read Yonah that after the whole Nineveh thing goes down, Yonah is under the withering Kikayon and Hashem has a conversation with him again. So what are we blind? We learned Yonah. We see black on white that Hashem did speak to Yonah after the incident of Nineveh. And not only that, he spoke to him about Nineveh, right? He made the analogy of the Kikayon to Nineveh, this withering Kikayon. So, and just like you, Yonah, regret this withering of the Kikayon. You think I'm not going to regret my, right, the Basar Vadam, the whole lesson, the whole Goranowitz Musar moment of, of Yom Kippur is a conversation subsequent to Nineveh, third, a third conversation between Hashem and Yonah. So what gives? So Tosa says a fascinating idea. He says, In other words, huh, that maybe he was talking not about specifically go tell Nineveh what to do, but he was talking about the general Goranowitz Musar moment of, of the fact that Hashem watches over and cares about Klal Yisrael and is always waiting for us to do tshuva. That's not technically Iskei Ninveh, it's a larger issue that applies even to us, which is why we read about it, right? Not as historical fiction or, histor- or history, but we read about it, why? As a Musr, right, for us and our tshuva. I mean, bizoche to do tshuva shlema and bizoche to Yemos Mashiach, okay. Anyway, so that's, that's one answer, that al Iskei Ninveh Ka'amar, um, but he did not speak to him about actually like the logistics of what to do with Nineveh again. That what it means is In other words, the Pasuk in Malachim Bey is talking about the context of Yeram Yoash. And what it means is not an actual discussion that Hashem had with, uh, with Yonah. He says, just like the discussion that Hashem, the last discussion that Hashem had with Yonah, namely the one about turning over Ninveh from, uh, from, to do tshuva, so too, right, in the days of, of Yeravam and Yoash, they're talking about that kind of tshuva that Kalisha has to do from good to bad. So in other words, it's not an actual conversation, but it's referencing the Yonah, the last Yonah discussion that Yonah had with Hashem, referencing that and saying it was that type of situation in Klal Yisrael where they were doing tshuva, but it wasn't an actual nevuah that Yonah had. Okay. So fascinating concept of Yonah. So now we go back to the Machlokas of Acha and Rosh as follows. Tashma, ger, You have a ger, his conception was, right, before the, conver- the, the conversion, and then he's born to converted parents. Just like we've explained. That he's related through the mother because he was born to a Jewish mommy. But his dad is not halakhically his dad because fascinatingly from the dad it goes by a time of conception. At that time he had not yet converted. So what would be the case? That if he marries his maternal sister then they have to dissolve that marriage because after all that's his real sister through his mother. And that's an erva. However, but he can marry his maternal sister so long as she's not I'm sorry, his paternal. That's very important that I get the right I get that right. He can marry his paternal right sister. He can remain with her because uh, so now so now the Gemara is gonna explain how this goes, right? So again, his maternal right sister he cannot marry, his paternal sister he can because he's not considered a married to her. Right? 
So, so now we're going to explain. Right? The maternal sister, he has to go out, right? Now, why Yotzi? Right? Rashi explains the last Rashi on Yotzi. Furthermore, Achos Ha'av. This is a different thing. This is the paternal sister, Mina'im, Yotzi, right? A maternal sister of his father. So this is not his own maternal sister. This is his father's maternal sister. If he marries her, he has to send her away also. Wait a minute. Why? He's not related to his father. So all the more so, he's not related to his father's maternal sister. Why? What's wrong with marrying your father's maternal sister, Andrew, if you're a convert? So that's what the Rashi has to explain. That no, that even though he's not related to her, it's still a gazera. So that gazera we do do. So as we see, not to confuse you, but uh, we do sometimes do these gazeras, right? Uh, when it looks bad. So now let's explain. As we turn to the Chesom and Beis. Minahavi Kayim. Right? So if he married his paternal sister, so then he can stay and marry her. Why? Right? And Minahav, and if he married his maternal sister of his mother, Right? So then he has to send her away. So again, the cases are, if it's his own, right, maternal sister, certainly he cannot marry her, they're related. If it's paternal sister, so then he can stay married to her. If it's his father's maternal sister, he has to take her out. And again, as Rashi explained, that's a gazera. It's as if, we treat her as if it's his maternal sister. And if it's his paternal, his father's paternal sister, he can certainly stay with her, just like if it was his own paternal sister, right? And then, And if he married the maternal sister of his mother, that would be like marrying the maternal sister of his father, and he's Yotze. But if it's meaning the paternal sister of his mother, so that already is a machlokas. In other words, this is through his mother, but it's a paternal sister. So are you going to say that the fact that there's a little maternal relationship here, you're going to make a gazera? Or are you going to say the fact that it's a paternal sister, after all, that you're not going to make a gazera? Right? In other words, now before we get too confused and bogged down, all that matters here is that a paternal sister is okay because he's not related. A maternal sister is not okay because he is related. But there are cases where you have a little maternal, right, uh, relationship in the relationship, even though, so let's say it's his father's maternal sister, right? So even though you're not technically related because it's all coming through the father who he's not related to, once there's a little maternal relationship in there, it could cause confusion and just a question which case we're going to make, you're going to say is too far to make a gazera, in which case we're going to say, no, here it's close enough that you could get confused and we do make a gazera. Now there's Iker Adin, anything that's from the father is going to be okay and anything that's from the mother is not going to be okay, right? I Meaning not anything, but I'm saying if it's direct. But so anything that has a paternal lineage in it is going to be okay. That's a clearer way of saying it. Anything that has a paternal lineage in it, and then there's a conversion, that paternal lineage gets dissolved and it's okay. But if there's some maternal lineage in it, then it's not that you're related. You're not related. But there's a gazera because of the original classic case of when it's your actual maternal sister, where halachically, midaraisa, you would be related. And we don't want to touch that case. And these are just gazeras, therefore. So you don't have to get too confused. It's not like a mechanism that kicks in where you actually become related. That's not the case. It's just, you know, if there's some maternal lineage in there, so even though technically you're not, we treat you like you are to avoid confusion. So now that you're not confused, let's go. 
Rabbi, so that, that's the machlokis. In that case, when it's achos so, right, achos min ha'av, right, that it's your maternal sister, but it's really, uh, it's a paternal sister of your mother, right? In the case of the paternal sister of your mother, so then again, she's the paternal sister of the mother, so she's not related, but still, since it's to your mother, that's the machlokis. Or mayor, omer, yotzi, our mayor wants to make a gazer in that case. The chamim say, no, that's okay, because you're really technically not related. And now the Gemara explains, because your mayor says, anytime you have any remnant of some maternal relationship, you should, uh, you should dissolve that. And if it's only paternal, that's okay. Okay. And now the Gemara says, this is the continuation of the Brisa. He's allowed to marry his brother's wife, right? Uveishes achi aviv, and to marry his father's brother's wife, right? His father's brother's wife. Veshar kol arayas muterlo. In other words, any arayas, not arayas, but arayas by, ma- by marriage, those are going to be muter to him. Now the Gemara just wants to explain. Wait, wait, wait. Leisui eishes ha'av. What they're trying to say when they say shar kol arayas is to include eishes ha'av, his father, right? Again, his, his father he wasn't related to anymore because, right, he was his father prior to the conversion, right? The conception was prior to the conversion. And therefore, technically, right, if his father divorced his wife, whereas typically that would be an erva where everyone was Jewish, in this particular case, that would be mutter. So the Bresa concludes now, Nasa Isho Bita, Konis Achas, Umotzi Achas. And Lechatchila Lo Yichnas, a fascinating idea. The Rashi says, What's going on here? Rashi says, In other words, right, you marry a woman and her daughter. Everyone, right, converted afterwards, the woman and her daughter. So they're not related. Yeah, this non-Jewish woman and a daughter. Uh, this is talking about, obviously, before the conservation of you can marry a woman, uh, multiple people. Woman and her daughter convert. Marry them both. Uh, don't marry them both. Uh, you can marry one of them. But you have to you have to get rid of the other one, and the chachila it's not a good idea in the first place. However, meita isho, but if his wife died, muter bechamosa. But if his wife died, he'd be he'd be allowed right to marry the mother-in-law, as Rashi says, the kulei hai lo gazer rabbanon. In other words, the gazer or the rabbanon, because again, midar raisa you can marry the mother and daughter or the or the mother-in-law, but that's not a good look. Uh, however, with the mother, it's not a good look, and there's a gazera. And, and besides that, if one of them dies already, so then it doesn't look quite as bad, and therefore that would be mutter to do. However, some said, no, there also you should be asr. also also Their mother-in-law too. It's not a good look, and therefore don't do it. Be that as it may, says the Gemara. My love, the nasba achiv shu ger. In other words, in the case where it says that you're allowed to marry Aishas achiv, his brother's wife, what would be that case? Is the case not talking about when Right uh, when they already converted, and only after the conversion, the marriage took place. Well, if that's the case, then we have another proof for Ravacha. So says the Gemara. As we had said already two or three times, that the case was when the marriage was prior. Well, when the marriage is prior to the conversion, of course, there's no relationship. So Ma'ila why do we even have to learn that? That's obvious. Again, as we had said before, you might have thought they'd make a gazera that even if the wedding preceded the conversion, that we're going to make a gazera on that. 
um, in order to avoid confusion and say, please just don't marry ma- family members, even if they're not halachic family members because it was all just civil marriages prior to conversion. Still, make a gazera because that, it's not a good precedent. Kamash Malan, that it's actually allowed. Okay. So that which we said before, the Brisa said that if you marry, again, this mother-daughter converted, that you can, you can take one in and let, get, get rid of the other one, but you shouldn't marry them. Yeah, if you have to, says the Gemara, if you have to divorce one of them, doesn't that imply by definition that this wasn't a good idea in the first place? So why does the Mishnah and Bryce have to teach you that you shouldn't do that l'chadchila? So the Gemara says, no. Hasam Kai, it's talking about back to an earlier case of the Bryce. It's referring to v'hachi kamar. Hachta amar rabbanu nikayim l'chadchila liyichnas. In other words, all the women that we were talking about, right, where we say that he could stay with them, in other words, even the ones where it's all through the father and there's no relationship at all, all not the mother-daughter one, but even the ones where it's all through the father, all of those cases, guess what? Not the best look, not the best idea. Can you please... When, can you please not marry uh, somebody who was already civilly married and everybody knew they were living as husband and wife? Just don't do it. L'chadchila, the Rabbanon frowned on all of those cases. Okay, finally, that machlokas with regards to the mother-in-law. So the Gemara simply says, that that, that which says that it's mutter and asr, they're a reflection of, their, of the shittas of Rishol or Rekiva. Man, the asr ka Rabbi Shmael, da amr chamosu l'achamisa b'isur kaima. Yeah, the one who's asr is like Rabbi Shmael, because Rabbi Shmael, in fact, said that a mother-in-law, b'acharmisa, is still, retains an isr, and even though the wife is dead, the mother-in-law is still off limits. Begabiger, gazru barabonin. And therefore, we made a gazera during that case when they're both alive, but they converted. Uman, the Shari, Rabbi Kiva, and Rabbi Kiva allowed it, the Amar Chamosu, Lachamisa, Kalash, Leisura, that after, right, your, after the death of a wife, Khalila, a mother-in-law, is not off limits, and therefore, he was not Machmir by the Ger, Begabi Ger, Lo Gazer, Be'erban, and therefore, he did not do the Gezera by the Ger either. So we'll continue tomorrow with the Mishnah towards the bottom of Tzadik Ches, Tzadik Ches, Amad Be'ez.